0: Hey, it's the Productized Podcast. I'm Brian Castle. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm talking to—I'm actually catching up with an old friend, Philip Morgan of Philip Morgan Consulting. Although he doesn't do much direct consulting anymore, Philip is—I uh, is, believe one of the one of the great solo productized service offerers. I'll—I'll call him that. I don't think he would say that, <laughs> but uh, you know, Philip has been known as as sort of like an expert when it comes to positioning, especially for uh, independent consultants and technical consultants and technical firms. And it's been interesting to me how he has adapted his solo practice of of consulting and offering workshops and incubators and and these sorts of different programs. Now a word of warning. unfortunately, my call with Philip got cut short a little bit. so this is going to be a shorter interview than than usual. Where Philip is at his his power actually cut out. <laughs> While we were uh, while we were recording, and and we were on a battery for uh, for a little while there, but then all of a sudden, whoop! Philip's gone. So, but you know, I think we we did get a good I don't know twenty minute or so conversation in. So I, I still wanted to publish it, and I, I hope that sometime in the next few months we'll have Philip back on here for for like a part B. But I did want to get the stuff that we did talk about published because it it was good stuff. Philip is is one of these. Uh, he he has a lot of wisdom to share, and what I really liked about what he does is his ability to structure these big, deep ideas about what it means to position your your business, to structure it into tangible activities and tangible momentum. You know, it's not just a book or a course that hopefully you'll take action on. He actually directly helps his, his customers form a habit into putting the, these things into action. And I think that that's more valuable than anything. So without further ado, here is my abbreviated conversation with Philip Morgan. Enjoy. I'm here with Philip Morgan. Philip, how's it going?
1: Brian, it's good. Uh, trying something that I was told would help my throat, which is uh, pineapple juice. Apparently, that's what opera singers do to sort
0: of keep their vocal cords <laughs> lubricated. So oh wow! hopefully it'll work great. <laughs> you know i I wouldn't expect pineapple juice think of like tea and, and things like
1: that, but me neither a client told me about it, and apparently it just it's kind of syrupy and goopy enough that it kind of sticks there and lubricates your vocal
0: cords uh, for <laughs> longer than those other thinner liquids do yeah i've I've been uh, drinking water on podcasts and and unfortunately, I had a coffee like a half an hour before this call, so I'm awake but Coffee also does terrible things to to the voice, so uh oh, we'll, right. we'll we'll see we'll see how this goes. <laughs> we'll soldier on we'll do our to our best here <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so you know if if folks have been listening to this podcast since uh, the early days a couple of years back you you were one of the guests back in the early uh, episodes of of productized podcast, and you know you've been around the the interwebs the, these circles doing uh productized services for. For many years, um, I've always been impressed with your work and the way that you focus and, and communicate, especially the way that you communicate what you do, and I think folks will, will really learn a lot from, from how you've uh, structured things. So you know before we really dive into to everything, like you come from a background as like a, were you like a copywriter first, or what's like your core skill set, and then how, how have you adapted that?
1: For me, it was like tech writing. Which would be distinct from copywriting because it's a little bit more like writing manuals or writing more factual stuff and less about persuasion or selling, right? So it, I started as a tech writer. I mean, before that, I was an IT system administrator type. And before that, I was in adult education. So, <laughs> you know, I reached this point where I productized, but not along the lines of doing copywriting or what have you. I mean, I tried that for a while. Mm -hmm. What I noticed was I just, I got the procrastination got worse every time I got a new client. And I think the quality kind of went down over time. So it was sort of like, I'm in the wrong line of work, and I need to just do something different. So all of that kind of came together in, well, I can, now it's a little different. Now I'm like, I can challenge people to cultivate expertise. and. To build a business that's that's building IP, kind of like your productized courses. That's really where it ultimately ended up. And my delivery of that is productized, but really I just needed to get out of implementing stuff and get into something that's more like coaching or inspiring people or advising people. So that was in in super short form, that was the evolution for me. Right. You know, I, I went through that moment that you're talking about where I was like.
0: I don't want to work for somebody else, but I don't like working for myself. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. I remember a a few years back, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of this still comes through today. You sort of became known as the guy talking about positioning, and I think probably the last episode that we did together on this show, we we talked a lot about that. And you have the positioning book, and I think—correct me if I'm wrong—that that sounds like that was like your pathway into advising other consultants yeah on positioning themselves or you know rather than you directly consulting with other clients that was it. That was the prison break for me
1: <laughs> out of yeah. a place. I mean there was a transitional period, but
0: that's what made it possible. yeah, so it was like you you identified this idea or this concept that probably worked pretty well for you, but then you turned that into uh I guess it, like like you start to talk about here is like turning that into your own IP that you can productize
1: yep and it was just gonna be a series of blog posts and then i read amy hoy's uh just fucking Ship" book and i was like oh, maybe this could be a book this you know series of blog posts and, it, and so i made it into an ebook and that sort of took over in a good way
0: curious like uh because i've experienced some of this with the concept of productized services been talking about it for many years with you like with with the idea of positioning and you know teaching people how how to better position themselves a like how how has that idea evolved in, in these last couple of years and maybe like how have you evolved in like how you explain it or teach it has, has that has that taken new forms
1: yeah and it's i've heard other folks reflect on like their early the early version of something they were doing and the the current version and let's say there's been 5, 10, 15 years of development between the two. And they'll have a kind of humility about that early version and basically, you know, how it sucked (laughs) compared Mm -hmm. to the the current version. And I haven't even had that quite that much time, but the early version was me feeling like, uh, kind of coming across in a somewhat dogmatic way, saying essentially, uh, this specialization thing is magic just do it and, you know, magic will happen. Mm -hmm. And now I am very careful to say this is not magic. It is, it's a different way of applying a large amount of effort. (laughs) So instead of an ineffective way of applying a large amount of effort, it's a more effective way. It's finding a beachhead. I don't, you know, I'm not a sports fan and (laughs) I'm, It was never enlisted in the U.S. Army. But, you know, sometimes the sports and military metaphors are helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, beachhead's a military metaphor. It's finding a place where you can invade. And from that, you can kind of expand or accomplish some larger purpose. So specialization now or, you know, positioning, specialization, positioning are kind of two ends of the same process I look at it as a beachhead. It's a way to take you, your little insignificant amount of effort that you can apply on a global scale, anyway, and actually make a significant difference. And what you're doing is getting some leverage. It makes it easier for you to build trust and makes it easier to get visibility for what you're doing. So I think my way of framing it or explaining it has evolved a little bit and become something simpler something less shrouded in these tones of like it's magic and everybody should do it and and i try to incorporate when i work with people i try to incorporate a lot more context and i don't think everyone should specialize for example i think it depends a lot on the context
0: yeah i I think that's great and and i was reading through you know some of your some of the information that you have about your expertise incubator. I want to get into that in, in just a bit, like about how you define the three core challenges. It seems like a very tangible way of um, of actually implementing a lot of what you talk about. But I mean, before we get into, into that, what does your actual consulting, how, how does that take form today? It, and so I know that you do some some coaching you have the incubator program like how how is it all kind of broken up and like what's the lay of the land there for for philip morgan consulting yeah the problem here is i should just drop the consulting
1: (laughs) from my business name i I mean i i do like i worked earlier this year with with a a custom software development shop they do a lot of drupal work uh on their uh, positioning so when i do consulting it's honestly it's a little bit rare nowadays and I think where I can help is where f- folks who actually their services are more productized, folks like uh, David Baker, where they're not a great fit because the client wants something that doesn't quite fit what they do. And I'm, I think, a good sort of plan B for those clients. Again, the the consulting I do is minimal. It's a, I think it's enough that I sort of have a hand in the game, so to speak. Right. But... Almost everything I do is some sort of productized service that's aimed at supporting independent consultants and helping them cultivate a a distinct differentiated market position and really valuable expertise. So it's pretty much all uh, these days workshops and the Expertise Incubator. So I run these workshops. They are, uh, I mean, they're not training exactly but they're they're uh standardized in the way that training is you know it's the same curriculum every time it's a little bit like your productized course except it's a it's a live cohort and mm-hmm. it's it's not delivered as like an asynchronous experience it's it's synchronous and it's it's over a t- set period of time and so forth so i do those workshops and then i have this thing called the expertise incubator which is maybe the evolution of everything I've been thinking about for the last, you know, three to five years in terms of how people can monetize their thinking rather than just get good at a skill, which there's nothing wrong with the the latter. It's just not, it didn't work out well for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, as we were talking about earlier, that, that path wasn't for me. And so, you know, a different path was, and, and, Instead of trying to create a recipe that recreates what I did and sell that recipe to people, I've been looking at what are some kind of broadly applicable frameworks that people can adopt and some simple practices that they can adopt that will make it likely that they produce something really valuable that looks like an expertise or intellectual property. Mm. That's what the expertise incubator is.
0: Just a minute to tell you about Process Kit. If your operation needs to become more efficient and more predictable so that your team never lets anything fall through the cracks, then it's time to implement Process Kit. Process Kit is process-driven project management software made for powering client services businesses. It's especially designed with productized services in mind. Create powerful SOPs with built-in if this, then that automations and then use those processes to power all of your repeatable projects. Whether you're managing a pipeline of new clients onboarding to your service, or tracking weekly deliverables, sales proposals, marketing assets, or admin work, ProcessKit is your team's place for getting it all done, but more importantly, done right. Use our powerful Zapier integration to hook ProcessKit into all of your other systems. And if you'd like expert help with improving your processes and automations, ask about our ProcessKit implementer service. Request your free demo and trial at processkit.com. I, I want to dig into that a little bit more, but but first just to understand like the structure of these things. So the workshops, these tend to be like one day, five day sort of event based. That's a great question because it to me, it,
1: it highlights the need for two kinds of things, at least. One is like kind of an intense, immersive experience. And then a different kind of experience that uses the benefit of time, like uses the passage of time to create value. So these workshops are the latter. They they take place over two months. We meet weekly. So, oh. you know, roughly eight meetings of a of a group online. It's not in person. It, and it never was, not even you know, before COVID, it was always online, not never in person. And so we are working on something together. I mean, everybody's working individually, but we're doing it as a group. Something like testing a market position or working on cultivating a point of view. And we're working on it over the course of those two months. And I think the, you know, I say that the passage of time can add value because there's a lot of stuff where it feels great to have that kind of Dive in immersive experience, and so and for some stuff, that's probably the best way to do it. But I'm interested in these these sorts of changes that people make to their business that take time. Yep, they're they're not they're the they're the not easy ones. <laughs> they're not. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus by saying, "Oh, if your thing can happen quickly, it's not important." And I don't mean that. But right. some of the important stuff just takes time, and I like supporting
0: that. I think you're right that there's just a lot of things that. No matter which way you slice it, you have to let that time play out right for me as as a as a business owner, thinking about all the sometimes I get really excited about an idea and I think I've figured it all out just over the course of taking a shower. It's like, oh, I got this shiny right. idea i'm I'm done i'm gonna <laughs> launch it by the end of the today, you know yeah, right but then i but you know, but then I let it sit for a little while, and all of a sudden, like completely new angles on it, new opportunities. Arise, like you just got to kind of marinate it in it for a little while before the the true forming happens. Yeah.
1: So you use the example maybe of a service or a product idea. Imagine if it's the entire strategic direction of your business. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you don't have to imagine. Most people hear me say that and they and they're like, oh wow, that I, I feel fear. I feel a sense of uncertainty about whether it's the right decision. So with that stuff, I think if people, like you said, marinate in it for a while, they make a better decision because, you know, they're not having like this peak moment of like, yes, I can do this and, you know, I can do this bold, courageous thing, which they can, but they'll go away from that peak moment
0: and have a lot of uncertainty creep
1: in after the fact.
0: So. Yeah, it's it's true. And and I mean, now is actually such a great time that we're talking because it's December 2020 and and this is always the time of year when I start to really think, think. strategically big picture, what what is what does next yeah. year look like and all that. And I think I think you're right, like these big strategic new directions that are maybe scary, maybe new and exciting, giving it a little bit of time to like try it on, you yeah. know, mentally. Right. Yeah. Before you fully commit, but it, but if you at least commit to say like a two month period of, of let's try this on and really explore it just for two months and maybe at the end it's not going to be yeah. right, but at least we've given it a solid chance. Exactly. So, I would have thought that these workshops would have been the shorter thing. Like, how does that compare to the uh, to the expertise incubator in terms of well, structure? that's even longer? <laughs> yeah.
1: So the the workshops are shorter. So the expertise incubator is this framework for cultivating expertise. And it is, I used, I kind of threw the idea of recipes under the bus earlier, somewhat intentionally. Like, I I think that recipes are valuable as a way to get started, but they always have to ultimately be customized to you. So, again, they have real value, but the expertise incubator starts with a simple framework. Spend three months publishing to an email list daily, three times a week at least, ideally. Every day you work. And that's that's a challenge. It's framed as a challenge. It is it's brutally difficult. I'll I'll summarize a few things about it that folks can learn experientially, or they can just, you know, believe me over the next minute or two. It's something you do for yourself more than an email list. So we're kind of repurposing the idea of email marketing and using it for a different purpose with this first challenge. And it's uncomfortable. It's, uh, it's very productive discomfort, I think, but it's super uncomfortable. And, it, and it's not email marketing. You're not trying to sell stuff. What you're trying to do is um, give yourself an opportunity to think about the stuff that, that you don't know as much as you'd like to. And probably your market has not figured out. Do it in public. And it's a little bit for the benefit of the folks who are on the email list, but it's mostly for your own benefit. And you kind of, as you do this, you explore different ideas, you sort of wander around. You don't really have an agenda. You certainly do not have a content marketing plan as you do this because you're not really doing content marketing. You're sort of exploiting this this weird, it's not a loophole exactly, but this weird place where you can create some value for the subscribers on your email list by publishing daily, but you create a lot more value for your own future expertise. You build up that through doing a lot of thinking in public, so that's the first challenge and
0: I mean you- I, I really like that because it's said it's like exploration and yeah, you probably will benefit from publishing or sending to your list three times a week from a quote unquote content marketing standpoint right. and, and may and you know I guess chances are that that might help your your business help with leads, help with sales, but ultimately even if it doesn't it's still a really good thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're, you're going to learn so much about yourself. Like you said, you're developing this expertise that you can then build on and, and, and uncover new directions that you can go. And it's just sort of like a healthy way to, to build up a, like you're building up a muscle, a a writing muscle, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so like, it's, I, what I like about the whole structure of this, and we'll get into the other stuff here in, in, in a second, like, you know, there's so many courses and programs out there that are like, "Do this, and you'll get this result." But I'm sure you will get results through this. But, but it's like the result would be different for each person, and it's still a a, a good thing to do. Yeah, regardless of whether it, it results in the launching a new business in three months, like it it, it might yeah. not, but you might open up something else. Yeah, that's. It, it's hard for me to
1: sound the right way when I talk about recipes, but I think their value is generating momentum, usually more so than, oh, the recipe worked exactly as designed. And I'm not talking about food recipes. I'm talking about business recipes Mm -hmm. that are turned into courses. Those have a lot of value, but I think the value is actually this secondary value of, yeah, maybe you got the result that the course was supposed to produce and hopefully you did, but maybe the most important thing is that it generates momentum. And then you start trying things and tweaking and and all of a sudden you're you're feeling like something you're doing is actually working. And that feeling is just so precious to to I mean, anything you can do that makes that happen, I think is a good thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I really like, like where this is uh where this going. The second point in this in this structure really jumped out to me when I was reading earlier. So you have it here as Do research for a decision-making tool for clients. Can you tell us more about that? Well, the idea of publishing a lot is to build that muscle.
1: And it's also to uncover and befriend uncertainty. So the uncertainty ideally is something your market is uncertain about. We'll do a quick experiment here. And it looks like I have about five minutes left on my GPS battery. So we'll see how this goes. Okay. (laughs) Here's the experiment. So, Brian, you're looking at a website. Up at the top is a big hero unit, and there's two lines of text. One is like a big headline, and then the other is kind of like a tagline. The question is this, and I just to be clear, I do not know the answer to this question. I wish I did. I don't. The question is, what do people assign more weight to, the big headline or the line underneath it <laughs> as they read it? That's a good question. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody knows. <laughs>
0: You know, I mean, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, most marketers will tell you, "Oh, it's the H one. It, it's the it's the headline. It's it's the big bold text," and I think that might catch their attention. But what I think people really care about is the second line and like, "All right, well, tell me what what this is really all about." Because usually, the H one is just an a, a like an attention grabber. At least that's how I think about it. So, Philip, as he said earlier in in this chat, his uh his audio. Or his his power at his house actually actually cut out. So maybe we'll have to do a part two at some point. But we're gonna we're gonna cut off this interview here. And uh, of course, you can go check out philipmorganconsulting.com. dot com. And uh, yeah, lots of interesting stuff. He's he's also pretty active on on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank Philip. I will send him an email. Maybe we can catch up another time. But yeah, this is this is really great. And. Uh, I hope you, you learned something because, you know, Philip has a lot of wisdom on, on this kind of stuff. Thanks for listening. All right. Did that give you something to think about? If it did, let me know on Twitter. I'm at Cast Jam. If you want to find show notes on this or any of the other episodes or my weekly newsletter with new content, head over to productizeandscale.com. Now, if you haven't already, a five-star review in iTunes, that would go a long way to helping other folks find the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.